Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. I want to talk to you today about joy and peace and thankfulness. I'm going to start. I'm going to read out of Philippians. I'm going to skip a lot of the intro that I had planned. And I'm going to go straight into this lesson. Chapter 4 of Philippians, starting in verse 4, says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men that the Lord is near. Do you know why Paul is telling people, the Philippian church specifically, us, via the text, to rejoice always? Because so many of us struggle to keep it. You know, if they had joy, he wouldn't have to tell them, be joyful. And so he says, rejoice. And because he knew that they weren't, he said, I'm telling you, listen to me, rejoice. That's why he says it twice. Rejoice. Again, I say in all things, rejoice. Why aren't we rejoiceful people? Why aren't we joyous people? We aren't joyous people because we're not thankful people. If you recognize what God has done for you, if you recognize what God has done in you, through you, around you, you would be thankful. And for you, you would be thankful. And in your thankfulness, as you begin to think about all the things that you have to be thankful concerning, you should be a person of joy. Why is that? Because God should bring us joy. And because God should bring us joy, we should be thankful people because we are thankful when we're thankful we see God properly. It's time we need to it's time for us as the church, the big C church, to see God properly. Can I tell you where you're lacking in your thankfulness, in your joy? You have a lack in your understanding of who God is. And I know that sounds like I'm painting with a wide brush, but it's not wide enough for the weight of what I'm telling you. If you will recognize all the incredible things and be thankful in them that God has done for you, around you, to you, through you, you would be thankful people. We would be thankful people. We would rejoice always. Again, I'd say we would rejoice always. Because we have the promise, according to the next verse, that the Lord is near. And so I want to talk today about getting our sight on God and having the proper perspective on God that allows us to be thankful that we might be joyous. Number one. Well, let me just read the whole text first. Starting in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Huh. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God. Everybody say, peace of God. Will surpass all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, 
if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace, everybody say God of peace. Notice that he's mixed these two words up. First he says the peace of God, and then he says the God of peace. Can I tell you, you won't have the peace of God unless you have the God of peace. And so he goes on to continue in verse, 19, or verse 10. He says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. This is where people use this verse to, to, to do an offering, and rightfully so because he's talking about how they've revived their concern. But there's a more significant message that he wants people to understand. I appreciate that you've provided for me, but let me tell you something. I don't speak from want. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. That's good. So you know what? Not only do we, not only are we offered the peace of God and the presence of God, but we're offered the pleasure of God in contentment. I know now how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. This is, a, this is a secret that we all need. We need the answer to this secret because all of us have been in lack. All of us have been in excess. All of us have been in want. All of us have been in need. But there's a secret to overcoming all that. You want to know what it is? How many of you guys would love to know what it is? Verse 13 is the answer to the secret to that. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Don't mess the context of this up. This doesn't mean that you can fight into MMA and you're going to win or you're going to climb a mountain or anything like that, like we use it, like we misuse it. It means it doesn't matter what your situation is, what you're dealing with, what you're going through, no matter how much you lack or how much you want, you can accomplish, you can overcome all of those things because of Jesus in you. We need to start using the word properly. People are like, man, I'm not blessed. It's because you're using the word however you want to. The fact of the matter is, God does give us this promise, this secret, that we can do all things through him who strengthens us, but we have to use it correctly. Amen? <clears throat> and then in verse 14, Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. Amen. So i got a couple of points I want to make today. Point number one, thankfulness brings the peace of God. And I may have already made these points. I guess I could probably, i give you the cliff notes. I could probably just walk away. But let's dive in. You want to? Thankfulness brings the peace of God. <clears throat> Verses 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, rejoice always. And then the next thing he says is what? Be anxious for nothing. You think these two things are connected? Absolutely they're connected. He wouldn't have put them together if they weren't connected. You want to know why you need to rejoice? Because if you don't rejoice, you're going to be anxious over everything. Man, that's good. That's not even my notes. That's extra Holy Spirit stuff for y'all right there. But it says don't be anxious. Don't be troubled. Don't be frightened. Don't be nervous. Don't be concerned. 
Don't let these things of the world, the things that you deal with, destroy your peace. But in everything, everything. First he says, be anxious for nothing, which means remove anything from your life that should cause you anxiety. And this is how you do that. You do that by everything in prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, making our requests known to God. That sounds like some big words, right? Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Let me tell you what Paul's saying, because it's pretty simple. I'm going to break this down for you in Lebanese. Or Lebanese. This is what Paul's saying, because spiritual words mess us up. And so we dismiss them. He's saying, listen, man, you got a problem? You got something you're stressed out about? Just go talk to God. Because that's what prayer is. If I told you, just go talk to God, sounds less intimidating than, you know what, you need to have a prayer life. So Paul says, go talk to God. Tell him what you need, which is supplication. Just make your petitions known with a heart of thanksgiving. Paul is literally saying, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're dealing with, whatever is causing you to be anxious, go talk to the God that loves you, the Father that wants to care for you. Tell him what you need and do it with a heart of thanksgiving. And the anxiety in you will be destroyed. That's so good, isn't it? It's good to me because you know what? I deal with anxiety. I learned a couple weeks ago I'm a high-function guy of a, I, I, what, what is it called? I have high-functioning anxiety. People ask me all the time, they say, are you nervous? I say, I'm not, never, I'm not ever stressed or nervous. And then I read like the th 10 things, high-functioning anxiety. And I'm like, well, maybe. <laughs> but you know what? I don't have to be. I can go to God, tell him what I need, and be thankful for what I have and what he's going to give me based on what I've asked him to give me. And I have peace. And I have joy. And I have comfort. Because I have thankfulness. We should be thankful. We should have an attitude in our prayer life of thankfulness. I love that. What are we to be thankful over? everything you know I could I could go for days probably telling you all the things personally I'm thankful for and it, quite honestly probably years because you could go page one I'm thankful for this for this for this for this page two I'm thankful for this for this let me tell you you'll spend your life being thankful if you'll read the word of God over your life amen that's good. A prayer of thankfulness acknowledges the God of the Word. So I want to tell you that it acknowledges His promises. What am I thankful for? I'm thankful for the promises of hope. Romans 5.2 says, Through whom, he's talking about Jesus, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. 
We exult in hope. It's another big word. People don't really use that word anymore. That's a word from days gone by, but let me tell you what it means. We celebrate. We celebrate in the hope that we have. We're thankful for the hope that we have. How many of you guys have praised God in prayer, thanking him for the hope that you have? And I'm not talking about just, hey, man, God, I appreciate you for Jesus, man. I'm talking about get on your face and say, I am thankful that who I was isn't who I am. And because who I am is who I am in you, Christ Jesus, I have a hope of an eternal future. I have a hope of a current blessing that I get to live in heaven in all of eternity with the ones that I've lost, with the ones that have, that have gone before me. I get to spend time in eternity with a God that is love. Man, that's so good. And these aren't Christian platitudes. I'm not trying to talk to you crazy. I'm trying to tell you that truly we have a hope that we should be hopeful for. We should be thankful for. We serve a God that is love. Did you know that? I didn't say that loves you. I said that is love. You ever been across somebody that says, man, I love you, man, and, they, and you're off. Whatever, man, you love what I can do for you. Right? Everybody knows somebody like that or did know somebody like that? I pray it's not in your life now. But we also know people that when they hug you and they look at you and they say, I love you, you can feel it. Like when my wife looks at me and she holds me and she loves me, she, she's not a toucher. She's not a big toucher. So when she actually wants to hug me and she looks at me and says, I love you, I can feel that. It gets to my bones. And as perfect as I think the love is that she has for me, it pales in huge comparison to the love that God has for us. Because she loves, she isn't love. And I'm hopeful for that kind of love for all of eternity. I'm hopeful, I'm thankful for these promises of mercy. Romans 15, 9 says, And for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy... We are to glorify God for his mercy. What? What does that even mean? That means we're supposed to lift up the name of Jesus for the mercy that he's given us. Glory means a couple things. It means to lift up and to give full weight towards. How big is the mercy that God gave you? What is the weight, the true weight, spiritual weight of the mercy that God has extended you? It's bigger than you can put in your mouth, I promise. Because you deserved hell. I deserved hell, but praise be unto Jesus. I'm not getting that. I got mercy. Where I had judgment coming, I no longer have judgment coming. I have mercy. I have love. I have an expectation of hope. That is only possible because we serve a compassionate God. And I am grateful, thankful for a God that loves me enough to extend mercy to me. Hmm. I'm about to get excited. And then he continues, he says, As it is written, therefore I will give praise to you among the Gentiles, and I will sing of your name. Ooh. I'm going to talk to you guys for a little while about an if-then God we serve. I don't spend enough time on this, but we serve an if-then God. If you do this, then I'll do that. People don't like that because they're all, that's legalistic. It's not legalistic. There's a promise for you if you do this. Even your salvation is an if-then contract, covenant. If you declare Jesus Christ as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, then 
you shall be saved. So if God has extended us mercy, then we should do something. You know what that is? According to this, tell people about Jesus. Are you thankful enough for the mercy that you've received that you want other people to have the mercy that you've been given? You should be. I'm thankful for promises of his perfecting work. Because I'm grateful that he saved me. But can I tell you, the day he saved me, I was as two seconds after that, I was as jacked up as I was two seconds before he saved me. I just My spirit was right. But I still had all the stuff that I like to do, all the stuff I wanted to do. But praise be unto God, we got a promise that he's going to perfect us. And that ultimately we will see perfection when we are in the presence of that which is perfect, which is Jesus. Philippians 1, 6, for I am talking myself out of my breath today. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. What am I trying to do today, man? I'm trying to tell you, when you go to God in prayer with a heart of thanksgiving, don't forget the mercy that he extended you, the hope that he has given you, the perfecting work that he is continuing in you. Be thankful for those things. Hmm. Not only does it acknowledge God's promises, a prayer of thankfulness, but a prayer of thankfulness also acknowledges God's wisdom, power, and goodness. Did you hear what I said? Wisdom, power, and goodness. I'm not going to go real deep into these individual things and what they are, but I will tell you, you're not smarter than God. You don't have the perspective of God. You don't have the experience of God. All three of these things wrapped together is God's wisdom. And he is willing to make those things available to you according to the word of God. If you ask him for wisdom, he will give it to you without reproach. Abundantly and without reproach. And I don't know about you, man, but I could use God's perspective in some decisions I need to make this month. I could use God's knowledge in some decisions that I need to make this month. His experience in some decisions that I need to be that I need to make this month. He's, he's eternal. It's only reasonable that his experience would be greater than mine. He's above all things, so his perspective is greater than mine. Back in the day, generals used to go to mountaintops to watch over the conflict. So with flags, they could say, move the army to the left or move the army to the right. You know why they did that? Because it gave them a greater perspective. So they knew what the people on the ground didn't know. And God being above all things knows stuff about your life and what's going to happen in it that you don't know. And he's willing to share that with you. God, that's so good. Because he doesn't have to. Did you realize that it's a grace because God didn't have to give it to you? Everything in your life is a grace that God didn't have to give it to you. It didn't have to give it to you because if he had to give it to you, it wouldn't be a grace. Somebody's picking up what I'm putting down today. Not only is he wise, but he's powerful. I praise God for his power. This is why. Because I'm convinced that nothing created can be greater than that which created it. And I want you to think for a moment, if you can, and you can't, but just try. About all the energy in the world. The energy of the ocean, the power of the ocean, the power of the wind, the power of electricity. Every lightning strike that happens all around the world and has ever happened all around the world. The, the energy from the sun, the power that the sun generates, and every star in the universe. Put all those together, and he's greater than that. 
and he's on your side. Did you catch what I said? He's on your side. If he's powerful enough to take care of you, trust me, you're taken care of. Not only is he wise and powerful, but he's good. He didn't have to save me. He didn't have to save any of us. He could have went on his own way. He could have killed us all and started over. He could have created us all robots that had to do what he said. Therefore, we would have never sinned in the first place. But he wanted a, a people that he could love and that would love him back. Did you know a slave can't love his master the way he should because he's made to? And so in his goodness, he provides for us. In his goodness, he loves us. He demonstrates his power in us and has given us the authority to use the name of Jesus, which is a portion of that power. And we should be thankful for that. What I'm telling you today, be thankful. Because when you're thankful, your peace and your joy will come back. Once this is realized, we have a promise. Be anxious for nothing. I'm sorry, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the promise. The peace of God defined. Let me define the peace of God to you, because the peace of God isn't peace as we understand it. Peace, most people will tell you that peace is an absence of conflict. Peace of God is something different. I found this definition. I like it. The inward tranquility of soul granted by God. How many of you could use an inward tranquility in your soul? I could. A confident trust in him that provides calm amid the storms of life. This is the peace of God that says it doesn't matter what's going on around you. I hold you. I love you. I am your God and I am for you. This is the peace of God. This is the promise that we have if we will rejoice always and be thankful. Mm. Let's praise the Lord. And then he says, not only will I give it to you, but I will protect it. Not only will I give you the peace of God, but I will protect it. He said, we'll stand guard. We'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is a military term. Back in the day, it was a military term used for guards that they're watching their post. Anybody prior military in here? Okay, so one of the things, the worst things you can do in military is abandon your post. Right? Matter of fact, it's one of the four or five things they teach you very first. This is your assignment. This is what you do. You're faithful to it. I don't care if you die standing right here. You better die standing right here. You're going to guard this at all costs. This is exactly what God does for the peace that he's placed in you when you rejoice always and we rejoice always when we're thankful I love that he will not abandon his post over your heart and your mind and it's secure against anything or anyone that would come against it I'm not talking I'm not talking theory to y'all I feel like so many times we come to church and we listen to the pastor talking and we just dismiss him we have a good week and we do our stuff because for some, somehow we haven't let it really get into our spirit. We accept it as theory. But can I tell you it's not theory? I've lived this in my own life. 
Thankfulness produces joy. Joy produces the blessings of God. The peace of God. Number two. Thankfulness brings the intimate presence of God. Notice I said the intimate presence of God. Because whether you're saved or unsaved, you're still around the presence of God. But only the saved, those that have committed their life to Jesus Christ, have the promise of intimacy. And so we have, in thankfulness, the intimate presence of God. Let me read verses 8 and 9 to you. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace, everybody say God of peace, will be with you. I'm going to read this verse backwards. Or actually, I'm not going to read it backwards. I'm going to switch it up. Verse 8. Remember, I told you we serve an if-then God, right? If you dwell on these things, then, which are listed above, then you will have the God of peace. If you dwell. If you dwell. Everybody say dwell. You know what that means? It means we're to live in. We're to abide in these things that are listed above. Can I tell you, when I, when I abide in, when I dwell on the things that are true, the things that are honorable, the things that are right, pure, lovely, of good reputation, anything excellent, worthy of praise, when I dwell on those things, my mind is going to catch up. And my heart's going to catch up. And when I think on those things, I'm going to be a joyful person. And I'm going to be a thankful person. Because I see, then I begin to see all the things that are true, all the things that are lovely, all the things that are of good reputation. The problem is that we live in a world where we don't see those things because we allow ourselves to be surrounded by negativity all the time. And so as this negativity heaps itself upon us, we end up being a negative person instead of the positive person that God calls us to be. And can I tell you, it's difficult to be thankful when you're in a negative environment all the time. That's why I tell people, get the negativity out of your mouth. Can you just give one praise to God? Just one. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, is what the Word of God says. What are you thinking in your heart? What are you speaking out of your mouth? Faith comes by hearing. Did you know that? Be all, Pastor Jim finished the verse by hearing the word of God. But I didn't finish the verse on purpose because faith comes by hearing whatever you're allowing yourself to hear. If I believe, that's the reason why we got to teach our kids young. If you look at your kid and tell them they're stupid all the time, you know what your kid's going to think? They're going to think they're stupid all the time because you've built their faith in that area. If you think you can't be loved, then you're going to convince yourself that you can't be loved. How about filling our heart with what God wants us to fill our heart with? Because what's in our heart is who we are and who we will be. Amen? And so what are we supposed to think on? What have we been called to think on? Whatever is true. Can I tell you these are all, reg these are all regarding the Word of God? 
There's a lot of stuff true and a lot of stuff noble and all that. But specifically, there's only one truth. Did you know there's only one truth? And it's not your truth. It's the truth, the word of God. You can read this thing from cover to cover, and you will be overwhelmed with all the incredible things you have to be thankful over. You have, this is weird to me, this is a thought that I had. I've been saved about three weeks. And I got to think about all the things I'm supposed to be thankful about because people told me I should do that. And I was all, man, I'm glad I got, I'm thankful I got skin. Is that weird? Because if I didn't have skin, all my muscles and my nerves would be exposed. I'd be in constant and extreme pain all the time. But God loves you enough to give you skin. We should be thankful for everything. I'm thankful that I can see. I'm thankful that I can feel. I'm thankful that, that I am loved. There's so many things that we're thankful for. And we can see the truth of all of them in the Word of God, that He loves us, that He takes care of us, that He desires the best for us. This is what is true. What is true? Let me tell you what's true. What's true is what is honorable in the Word of God, what is right, which is righteousness according to the Word of God. Whatever is pure, the things that are undefiled, these things are described in the Word of God. We should be people that are thankful for the Word of God because when we read the Word of God, we will become thankful. God's exposed too much of Himself in His Word for us not to be thankful for who He is. Not only that, but we are to focus on those things that are lovely, the generous things from God. If I had time, this is what I'd do. I'm not going to. I would make everybody stand up and give me one thing, one gracious thing from God, one thing he gave you he didn't have to. And I'd tell him, yours has to be different than the person, than anybody else's. You know what that would do? That would cause you to stop and think, what do I have to be thankful for? The people up here in the front would have it easy. Well, I'm thankful for Jesus. And you should be thankful for Jesus. All of us, above all things, should be thankful for Jesus. But somewhere down here around field, we're going to be all, I'm thankful for skin? <laughs> yeah. We should dwell on these things. Live in these things. Recognize that the truth of the Word of God is one of those things. And everything, the lovely, the pure, the right, the honorable, those things of good reputation, anything worthy of praise comes from God. And God reveals himself in his word. I love verse 9. Because I am a, I am a pragmatist. I am very pragmatic. Most people wouldn't tell you that, but I think my wife would agree with that. I'm not as pragmatic as she is. But verse 9 Paul says something very important. Can I ask you, how many of you guys want the peace of God? How many of you guys want the God of peace? Here's the then. Or here's the if. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. What does that mean? Paul, throughout several places throughout his writings, says this, essentially, follow me as I follow Christ. 
This is what he's saying in this verse. Because Paul, like us, as we should, recognized that you can't divorce godly thinking from godly behavior. You just can't. You have to be a doer of the word, too. And so he says in Philippians 3.17, he says, Brethren, join in following my example, which isn't arrogant if you're living in Christ-likeness. I've had somebody tell me, that's awful arrogant of Paul. No. Paul walked in Christ-likeness. All of us should be able to say the same thing. This is the goal. One of the people I didn't mention earlier that I'm thankful for is Scott. Scott Osborne, he hadn't been here very long, but let me tell you what he did when he first got here. He said, I have a heart for discipleship. I want people to know Jesus at an intimate level. And so he's essentially saying, listen to me. I want them to be following me as I follow Jesus because that's what a disciple does. It's not arrogant if you're living like Jesus. It's only arrogant if you're not living like Jesus. But we have to live in such a way so that others can follow us. And so he continues. He says, these things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things. What have you learned from me? This is Paul, not me. I don't want you to be all, well, I learned how to be arrogant from you. I'm doing the best I can. What have you learned from me? What have you received from me? What have you heard from me? What have you seen me do? Do these things. And the God of peace will be with you. It's not enough to say you are a thing. You have to be a thing. It's not enough to say I'm a Christian. You have to be a Christian. Does that mean you're not gonna you're gonna not mess up? No, praise God, that's not what that means. But uh, it does mean I should be thankful for the mercy that He gives me when I do mess up. I should be thankful for the grace, for the perfecting work that He promises when I do mess up. And so I want to talk to you today. And I want to finish by saying, you can't have the peace of God unless you have the God of peace. And I'm going to dwell there for a second. I'm going to say it again, and maybe again, I don't know, because it's important for us to hear. People say, man, I wish I wasn't living in this tumultuousness. I wish my world wasn't upside down. I wish I wasn't dealing with financial issues. I wish these kinds of things and these kinds of things and these kinds of things. I, w I wish I could be joyful, especially this time of year. Did you know that the holiday season, there's more suicides during the holiday season than any other time of the year? Because people have lost their joy. Because when we're most thankful, the time of the year where it seems like we should be most thankful, we're least thankful. If you want the God of peace and the peace of God, you have to know the God that gives that peace. I know it's a simple theology, but it's, just, it's the only theology I got. God provides peace as the God of peace. Father God, in Jesus' name, we love you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that your spirit does provoke us, that you do love us enough, that you sent your son Jesus to be the substitute for us that you poured your wrath out on him so that we would know no wrath God for the people in this room who want to 
who feel an urging, a pulling of your Holy Spirit to give their life to your Son, Jesus, to you. I pray this prayer. God, forgive me. I'm not who I should have been. I have sinned. And so I repent of that sin. I turn completely away from it with the intent of never doing it again. And I turn towards Jesus. I thank you that you've given me his righteousness. And the only thing that I ask in this moment is that you give me by the power of your Holy Spirit, which you've promised to those who have made a confession of you, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you give me the strength to live day to day according to your word and according to the provocation of that spirit, of your spirit. God, I promise to love you and to be obedient to you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.